Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Everyone gets their cravings while watching the games, and no one wants to be the one to miss the big play. Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. From the extras to the essentials, Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's that late-night snack craving or you forgot to get the paper towels from the grocery store, enjoy convenience delivered right to your door, just in the nick of time, and you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. With you for the next 60 minutes, breaking down all that is happening with the New York football Giants in multiple ways you'd interact with us here on the program. Give us a ring, 201-939-4513. Can't get to the phone. Instead, you like the computer, not a problem. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You can also interact with each of us on our own Twitter handles. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we're going to delve a little bit more into OTA number nine, which was yesterday. Some of the players spoke after they practiced, which we did not get into yesterday. And we'll obviously explore a variety of other topics as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jeff, I know this was a very stressful week for you. You had, oh, Chile, you had to dust off the golf clubs earlier this week. Yeah, you definitely. attended Giants practice. So I'm sure you're very excited that Friday and the weekend has fast approached here. I love Fridays. Fridays are good. Um, I'm not playing golf this weekend. Um, I have some other things to do, but I, I, I'm not. I Bigger have, than golf? You have other priorities? Well, I do. I, I do. Wow. I have other, other, uh, yeah, I have other issues. Um, <laughs> other which, issues. As you all know, all right, my other, my other it, job, yes. the real estate stuff, sometimes takes a little bit of time on the weekend. So that's where I am at this weekend. But believe me, I am not, I have not been, uh, I've been, it's been plenty of golf, trust me. I was like three weekends in a row prior to this. So taking a little bit of a time off, it's just fine. You know, I'll let the other people practice up for the next time they want to play me. That's To fine. catch up to you, exactly. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's good. They, in fact, they need to. So. <laughs> <laughs> but don't but, pat yourself on the back too I, much. I yeah. got a little practice in the golf tournament on Tuesday, the Giants Foundation Tournament, which we talked a little bit about earlier in the week. It was a lot of fun. Actually, it's, uh, it's good to have it back. The tournament went on a little bit of a hiatus for three years there during COVID and all the other stuff so 
nice to get people back. A lot of saw a lot of the people that have generously donated their money towards that tournament every single year, and it, it goes towards a good cause. And you know, once in a while, you get a good team, and once in a while, you get a bad team. And um, you know, my team was okay. I, I'm not going to say they were the. Yeah, they were all right. You get a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, that's why you are used to shouldering the load because your well, talent I definitely is so much that better. Day, Lance, trust me, <laughs> I had all four of them on my shoulder, two on each side. <laughs> well, that's more of a reason why you need to use the weekend to ice your shoulders oh. and your back, right? You're going to yeah. go to the chiropractor in between real estate work as well. well this, I, I understand. First of all, yes, exactly. But I will tell you that I know golf is a very difficult sport, so a lot of people cannot master it. In fact, nobody really can. It's amazing how difficult it is. But for some people, it becomes it's a little more difficult than others, and you just kind of you understand that and you help people out. But the most important thing, they had a good time. It was hot that day, but I did see some really, really bad swings on the practice range. Um, I noticed a couple uh, of the veteran guys playing golf. Remember this. Big guys don't play golf. OK, first of all, they're too big for the sport. Um, their shoulders, you can't, they can't get the turn that you need in golf. And they really don't have much touch because those guys are just full go. Full tilt, just run, kill people, just, just, you know what I'm saying? Like, just wipe them out. So, the, so golf, golf takes a little bit of, you know, a little bit of time to understand the game and a little bit of patience, a little bit of touch. None of the big guys have that. And they don't know how to swing a golf club. They think they have to kill the, kill the ball, which they're trying to do. And it's actually kind of funny to watch. <laughs> now, if they do want some side sessions, are you no, readily available? Absolutely not. Or is your schedule packed? I mentioned patience in there. I only have patience for my golf game, not anybody else's. Gotcha. Okay. There is no way. Absolutely not. In fact, uh, yeah, don't offer that up, Lance. No, no I won't. That's why okay. I asked before. Okay. I wanted your permission. Now, my last question before we move on to obviously bigger and far more course, important yeah. issues as yeah. we're losing the audience members one at a time yeah. is, is the Corn Ferry Tour – is your limit over there? Have you moved up to the PGA Tour, or are you still oh, no. trying no. to balance both the Corn Ferry and the PGA Tour? Well, a couple things. Number one, yes. I am far, 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 far away from any of those tour stuff. That's for sure. I have a good country club game. That's what I call it, and that's about what it's going to stay. Um, and then, by the way, a lot of you may not know this, but my nephew is actually on the Corn Ferry Tour. And he gets all his golf talent from me, not my brother. Well, of course. That's for sure. Yes. So, uh, and he's actually doing very well. Two weeks ago, he finished in the top five, which got him very some, nice. some good earnings. So, and, and for those that don't know how this works, the top 25 guys from the Corn Ferry get their tour card for the, for the PGA Tour the following year. So that's what those guys are competing for. So we hope to see a, a Feagles on the, on the tour next year, hopefully. Very nice. Yes. No, that'll be cool. And yeah. we'll have your analysis every weekend once yeah. he takes part in each and every tournament. Well, we know this. It's within the family genes. It is. He just got it, obviously, from the uncle. That's right. Yeah. On this one. And yes. I get I, every once in a while, I get little updates because our, our own Bob Papa, as we know, is, is a golf commentator um, on the Golf Channel and NBC, things like that. So he actually has run into... Um, Michael, my, my, my nephew, a couple times, and uh, he gives me a little bit of report on him, so that's kind of nice. In fact, two weeks ago, my nephew stayed at Lawrence Tynes' house out in Kansas City because that's where the Corn Ferry Tour was. So we're a oh, big that is family fantastic. here. Yeah, I was going to say, the crossover is overwhelming. <laughs> so between we got the a lot Giants going on around here. Exactly. So, yes. Anyways. A uh, lot going on. 
and a lot also going on with respect to the football field, and that brings us to OTA yeah. number nine. So as I mentioned off the top, the offensive linemen spoke to the media yesterday. You had Shane Lemieux, and you had Mark Lewinsky. And I want to start with Lemieux. Lemieux was limited to really just a half of football last year. Week one, he didn't even get through a full game against the Denver Broncos. And this was really, Jeff, our first opportunity to hear from him reflect on what turned out to be a partially torn patellar tendon. He elected to undergo surgery, and we never heard really his side of the story of what transpired because if you recall, Jeff, he got hurt early in training camp, then he was sidelined, then he returned, and he was in the starting lineup week one, and then he leaves at halftime, and then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, we hear, okay, season's over, he elected to have surgery. So what he had mentioned was he goes into the locker room at halftime of that Broncos game, and he's talking to the training staff, and... He didn't necessarily say that he tapped out, but he just came to the realization there is no way that I could continue to play on this partially torn patella tendon because the pain was excruciating. And I'm using those words. He didn't necessarily use that term. And that's when all of a sudden he came to grips with the fact that he has to go under the knife or else this is just going to get progressively worse. And as you well know, Jeff, that was a tough pill for him to swallow because this is a guy that started 52 straight games between 2016 and 19 at Oregon at left guard. So if you're looking for the term durability, Shane Lemieux was the poster child, right, for that in college. Yeah. And, I, you know, and, and a guy that doesn't have an injury like that, sometimes, you know, when you have – when you get hurt, I mean, you can really get down on yourself because, you know, you're there for your teammates for so many games and so many consecutive games, and all of a sudden now you – you know, by the way, you know, he had that – he got that starting job, and the next thing you know, he's like – uh, he's out, and I think that that kind of wears on you a little bit. But you know, it's good to see him back. We know that he's going to be competing, and I think he's uh, he understands that he's in a little bit of a dogfight at that left guard position for for a starting position. But hey, you know, sometimes these guys come back stronger than they were, and that's a tough that's a tough thing to to battle through. And those guys are tough. Those linemen, I don't care who they are, every one of them are are pretty tough guys, and they have to deal with that those defensive linemen. And there's a lot of nicks and in bruises that goes along with that position, but that's a tough one to come over. You can't if you got the knees, it's hard to to push off. It's to go laterally, um, and it just it's one of those injuries where it, it basically told them, hey, I can't. You're not going to be able to do this. So, and by the way, having the surgery that early in the season just tells you how much he's going to be ready to go this this year now. So it's a lot. It's, you know, that's a long time ago. Really. Correct, but that's a significant injury, the patellar yeah. tendon. Mm-hmm. So that's one that you could argue may even be worse than the ACL, ACL. Yeah. right? So yeah. that's more of a reason why, to your point, Jeff, yes, it paid that it happened very early in the season. So essentially he was already rehabbing during the year. Then he has this offseason, and he even admitted he's not wearing the red jersey anymore. And the red jersey is for the players that you got to be cautious of being around and they're doing some work on the side. So I think that's certainly a positive development, but – As you mentioned, if he would have tried to play through that, who knows what position he'd be in after the season, and Mm -hmm. we may be talking about Um, he wouldn't be readily available this year. Right, yeah. And by the way, when you have an injury like that, sometimes if you are playing through it, because you're kind of guarding against, let's just say it was his right knee, you know, your left knee becomes <laughs> – there's all, you kind of like you, you have to learn how to do things and all of a sudden the left side of your body is taking all the pressure on things and you start hurting things on the other side. So and, – and that happens to guys that, t- that play through a lot of injuries is they just start – they start – they have to do things on the left side a little bit more to take the pressure off of the right side, whether it's your hand, your elbow, your knee, your foot, whatever it is. 
And um, and I remember this because I've had surgeries on my knees before when they've had problems, and I've I've actually have. I'm saying, hey, Doc, why, why is my left knee hurting now? Well, because you're walking a certain way and you're putting a lot of pressure on the left knee. So the good thing about getting that fixed is that there, there shouldn't be any other problems with the other side of your body. <laughs> well, you're compensating, Jeff. You're compensating. Right? That's the word I was looking for, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. And exactly. all of a sudden, it sort of throws off your equilibrium yes. with respect to your knees and your legs. You're putting more pressure on the other one, the healthy one, but yeah. you're actually doing worse. Yep, and I think that you know Shane is a guy that now I think he's in his mind knows that he doesn't have a red jersey on, knows that he's going to be competing, and now that you know these guys are getting ready to leave soon, they got the mandatory mini camp next week, and then I believe that I don't know if it, if that's if they're that's it, right? I mean that's they're gone until they come back for training camp. I don't. Yeah, imagine. the rookies so, may stay the, back the, a little bit, yeah, Jeff. But to your will. point, the rest of the roster is yeah. going to go with separate. In fact, I know yeah. that the rots the rookies are going to be here till I believe June seventeenth is their last. Day was what I've been told. So the, the veterans will be out of here next week, and um, you just got to continue to to strengthen that and and go. You know, make sure you guys work out in the off season, not off season, those five weeks. By the way, we've talked about this many times, Lance. Is that you know, as an organization, as a coaching staff, this is when you hold your breath that those five or whatever weeks it is that the players are gone, that they make sure that everything that they did in this off season program doesn't go to waste. That they continue to work out, they continue to rest. Um, which is important because when you come back into training camp, you know that grind is there. It's going to be every single day for the next six months, and it is a grind. We all know that. So, uh, yeah, you got to go away and, and take care of yourself and get, get your mind right, but when you come back, you got to be ready to go and you got to be in shape. I've said this before. The worst thing you can do is show up to training camp not in shape, not make the, the conditioning test, and all of a sudden get you know in the doghouse right away. And we've seen that happen many, many times. I mean, there was – there was a, there was a big doghouse when to- Coach Coughlin was here. <laughs> I mean, that thing had double doors. I mean, you did not <laughs> want to get through that thing, man. You had to make reservations <laughs> to get into oh, there. Holy smoke. <laughs> wow, and that's one. I mean, there's nothing in that doghouse, by the way. Like I'm talking, like no food, no water, no furniture, no nothing. They just stick you in there, man. And you do not <laughs> want to get in that place because it's hard to get out. Trust me. Yeah. Not well, that I've also, ever been in the doghouse before. No, but so. you're just speaking from observations. That's all. Yeah, because yeah. when you're a special teamer, you have a lot of time on your hands. So yeah. you get to observe the surrounding area of the field yeah. and the different departments within yeah. the facility. I get to see those guys. You know, they get put in the doghouse at nighttime. They shut the door. They don't get anything, you know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but, I mean, it's just it's the whole optics of it, you know. And, and, and I remember Coach Coffin, he made no – I mean, he had no problem letting everybody know – who was in that doghouse? Trust me. The, uh, how is so-and-so? Well, if he can finish his conditioning test, then he'd be all right. But what else What else you want from him? That's how Tom would talk. He would tell everybody, oh, the guy failed the conditioning test. Yep, he did. Great. Thank you. <laughs> That's your For own For those fault. of you taking notes, make sure you mark him down. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because those guys, you know, the reporters, everybody, the media, they want to see that conditioning oh, of course. test. Yeah. They want to know who's, you know, jumping over the line in the last second to make it. Man, I'll tell you what. Over the years that I had all these conditioning tests, and I've had every one of them you can name. I've run a half a mile. Buddy Ryan made us run a half a mile in 880, which I have no idea why he did that. <laughs> but I swear to you, if you have ever seen guys come around the last turn with, with Baldwin pianos on their backs, I mean, it was <laughs> it's like <laughs> – these guys diving over the, the end line just to make the time, you know. And then the 16 110s we had with, you know, you had 30 seconds rest in between. And then 
I was talking to some of the rookies the other day, asking them about this, and the bunch of the UNC guys I was kind of getting to know them. Their their conditioning test was twenty one tens. Now I thought sixteen was hard. I can't imagine doing twenty of those things. Again, what does it matter? The last time I checked, there was nobody running twenty one tens in a game. That's for sure. <laughs> So lots of different ones they can do, but the bottom line is you got to come in and in, make sure you're in shape. And I'm sure that this this crew, they want to make that first impression with this new coaching staff. I would imagine that 100% of these guys are going to come in ready to go. Well, you bring up an interesting point with respect to this roster, Jeff, now that I think about it, because when you were on the team, you had a veteran-heavy roster. Big you had time. guys with experience, right? This team is youthful. Not to say there's not proven veterans, but for the most part, if you were to label this team, there's a lot of young guys. I would think, and I understand that it's their first go-around, and maybe it's a little bit of a rude awakening for some, but given the fact that there's starting jobs up for grabs, opportunities on the depth chart, yeah. you have all the motivation in the world to not take a step back in these next five to six weeks so that you are ready to go once training camp rolls around. You got it. I mean, you, you, like I said, it's the optics of everything, Lance. When you come here, the last thing you want to do is have something go wrong, you know, like it, or you you show up hurt. You were playing basketball or you were doing you were water skiing or just something stupid, right, that you come in and now they put you on a non-football injury, NFI, which means, by the way, you don't get paid for non-football injury stuff. Um, and that's another thing that people have to be careful about when they go on vacation and they're doing things and they just kind of – you know, they got to be careful. And so you want you want to show up. And like you said, with this new organization and staff, you, you want to be able to, if you're available, then th that's good. If you're not, then that's going to set you back. So don't do anything you can't. Don't do anything that's going to, you know, eliminate you from being on that field. You got to come ready to go. Now, one last point before we open up the phone lines with respect to the offensive line. We talked about Shane Lemieux reflecting on the injury very energetic about getting back into the rotation. Glowinski and Lemieux, the other thing that they were emphasizing a lot when they spoke with reporters is the toughness persona, Jeff, of this group. Now, that's not to say that previous installments of the offensive line weren't tough. To play that position, you have to be tough just by default. But that they're giving each other nicknames. Bobby Johnson really is trying to pull that out of them. Glowinski, who was, remember, with Bobby Johnson briefly in Indianapolis when Bobby Johnson was the assistant offensive line coach before he went to Buffalo. So those guys cross paths. Evan Neal is a rookie. Andrew Thomas is working his way back from injury. We talked about Lemieux. And then, of course, John Feliciano, who was with Bobby Johnson in Buffalo. So you really you have two guys on the offensive line that crossed over with the offensive line coach. And then Lemieux also, interestingly, Jeff, talked about when he was coming into the draft, the Bills was one of his 30 visits. So mm. he actually had some detailed conversations with Bobby Johnson, with Brian Dable. He even mentioned he thought Buffalo was going to draft him. Mm -hmm. But obviously he came to the Giants, and then little did he know he's going to wind up reuniting with those two individuals. But it seems as if there's a comfort with Bobby Johnson for a number of these players who either – played for him on previous NFL teams or had some exposure to him during the draft process? It's important. It's very important, um, you know, because obviously they like him. And, uh, you know, when you, when you like your coach, and there's a lot of things that players don't like about their coaches. I'm not saying that every single one of them just loves their coach because everybody's different. We're all human. Um, but when you when you when you're on the same page with your coach, it makes things a little bit easier. 
And I think that Bobby Johnson, um, Pat Flaherty, these really good coaches, they have a way of going uh, about their business and, and guys buying into what they're doing. See, the problem you have with some of these coaches is that, you know, a lot of them have never played the position, but there are a lot of guys that did. And so as players, I will tell you that it's hard to listen a lot of times to people that have never played the position. And that's happened a lot of times in, in punting and kicking. There, there's really no special teams coach that I know of has ever played that position before. They might have been a, a player that played special teams, but none of them ever kicked or punted or they snapped. They specialize. You're talking exactly. about one of those spots. So yeah. those those guys, you know, those kinds of coaches are kind of like baptismal by fire. They just they, they rely on the kickers and the punters to learn the sure. position. Now, some of these other guys like Bobby Johnson, I don't know if he played or not. He's a big guy. He probably did. But the fact is, is that the more experience you have, the more that these other players are going to listen to you and that, you know, you kind of you got to buy into their philosophy. Each one of them are different. But I think that if you're asking somebody to do something that they don't want to do, it's going to be a hard match. So you have to the players have to understand how the coaching is going. They have to buy into it. They have to believe in it. And I think that the coach makes a big difference, and that's why I think these guys like it. Some of them know how to coach. They just they just know how to be around the guys. They know how to get their their uh, their mess their message to them, and whether they're you know they're yelling and screaming or they're just very calm and collective, but. I think it's a good thing that Bobby Johnson has that relationship with a couple of those guys because that's what you need. And that's there's probably one group I would say I would say that's the offensive line probably the most the camaraderie between those guys. I always used to say they like to go out the pasture together. They go out and graze, they do they eat, they just they do everything together, man. They come back, uh they eat together, they sleep together. It's unbelievable. They just all hang with each other, you know, because they all have a lot in common. They like to eat and lift weights and go to bed. That's about it. <laughs> Three activities. That'll fill oh, up your yeah. day. That, yeah, absolutely. So it's important. Bobby Johnson, by the way, did play, to answer your question, at Miami of Ohio. So, oh, the other Miami. Yeah. Yes, the other Miami. Correct. The yeah. secondary Miami. Yeah, that's right. And we by the way, the Feliciano, we, we forget to mention that he went to the U. So I just, you know, a lot of people probably don't know that. He's an older guy. He's 30 years old, but he's from the University of Miami. So he's got some major toughness in him, as you know. And you didn't even have to know anything about John Feliciano. The fact that you knew he was associated with the Hurricanes Mm -hmm. program, right? Mm -hmm. That answers the question. But here's the thing. If you remember at one point, the Giants roster was filled with Hurricanes. You're in trouble now, Jeff. You got to do something. I got to the scouting department. I I know, but those numbers have dipped immensely. Well, that's just years. well. That just goes to show you that the the program is is dipped immensely too. But now I think we're coming back with uh, Cristobal. So I think there that you go. Maybe maybe we'll have a you know we'll be littered with Miami, Florida in parentheses all over that roster. It's easy for me to find the guys that go Miami because it's really usually the only team that has parentheses on it that says Miami. Let's see, I'm looking at it right here. Um, <laughs> where is that thing? Yeah, it says Miami and in parentheses Florida. See, the other one is Miami parentheses O H which really doesn't mean anything. Well, but see, I would argue, I'm surprised you even threw in the parentheses because normally I've seen Miami without it. Usually the Ohio one needs the parentheses because I think most people feel Miami, you know where Miami is. But when you're talking about the Ohio program, that's when you have to designate exactly where it is. You're yeah, located. well, we were, I, I agree with you. They want they should put the parentheses around the OH because you just want to make sure that those guys they you know they're going to you know uh, in, it's not Miami. It's going to the Ohio Miami. There's a big difference. And Quincy <laughs> Roche, by the way, is the other representative of the Hurricane yeah. program. Correct. Is there anything more annoying than having to run to the store in freezing cold weather? 
when all you want to do is stream endlessly from the comfort of your couch? Or realizing after just going to three different grocery stores that you forgot the toilet paper and refused to enter yet another parking lot? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone appear with the items you're missing right to your door? Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's a craving for something sweet during a commercial break or you forgot those bathroom essentials, Grubhub will deliver anything from the convenience store right to your door. And you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. Yep. On the uh, Giants roster. All right, Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you here. Friday's edition, Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're going to open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Just a few reminders first. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or... You can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available, or you can place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Let's head to the lines. Tom is in Connecticut. He gets us going here on Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Tom? Hey, guys. I wanted Hello. to talk about the um, the uh, the guard that the Giants drafted in the uh, seventh round, McLennan, I think his name is. McKeithen, you're talking about? McLennan. Uh, McLennan. Yeah, McKen. Does he have a realistic chance? Uh, He's a fifth round. Starting? Wait yeah. a second. Hold on. Is it the seventh yeah, round or fifth round? round? No, he, he, no, you were right. He was a fifth round. round. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't that late. Yeah. yeah. But he is talking about Marcus McKeith, and just so our audience understands, Tom, yeah. I'll let you continue here in a second. The offensive lineman out of North Carolina who was teammates with Josh Azudu. So I'll let you continue. Yeah. What was your question? Yeah. Does yeah, he have a chance to make the roster? Absolutely. This dude's a beast. 6'7", 335. I, 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 I saw him the other day. This guy is just the, one of the biggest men I've ever seen. The guy is huge. I mean, yeah, he has a chance. I mean, trust me. Those, those draft picks, they get a little you know, special consideration. Um. And you don't, you know, the, but, nobody but wants to waste their speed? draft picks. What's that? Does he have any speed, though? I, mean, he, I know he's a big guy, but they, I don't hear him ever being mentioned as a possible possible starter. They talk about the uh, Zundu and uh, Chain Lebu and uh, Max Garcia and. Uh, well, but well, what are you? Why are you so caught up in speed, though? Just out of curiosity. I mean, the guy's well, not running routes like a wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I know that. But hey, we all know speed's important at every position on the football field. Sure, but blocking well, we, is the biggest is. priority. I mean, as Jeff mentioned, we are talking about a guy that is 335 pounds, six seven, in the vicinity of height. I mean, he's a presence. He played right tackle at North Carolina. I think the Giants also look at him as the potential as an interior lineman as well, as they'll continue to cross train him. As far as the starting spot, I would say it's probably unlikely he's going to start, Tom, if that's your main question. But as Jeff pointed out, I think he has a very good chance of making the roster and at worst going on the practice squad, depending on the numbers game. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Listen, okay. but Mark, listen, Lemieux, Lemieux was a fifth-round draft pick also. Yeah. So, and what happens when you're a fifth-round draft pick, there's a little bit of issues with something, right? It could be speed. Um, it could be footwork. But you're really kind of betting on the come that the guy's going to kind of, you know, 
elevate to a, maybe a starter down the line. But if not a starter, quality backup. You got to have backups, right? And so, um, and Giants, the Giants, and along with all the other teams, they don't like to waste their draft picks. And a fifth round draft pick is not, you know, that's not a first rounder, but it's not a seventh rounder. You know, so I think that they'll they'll continue to develop him, and they obviously see some things in them in him that they like. But I'm sure that he has a lot of work to go. Okay. All right, well, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, Tom. You got it. Appreciate the phone call. If you're looking at the numbers game, they could keep nine offensive linemen, Jeff, right? I mean, that's certainly a potential Yeah, because target. you can – yeah, yep, yep, yep. No, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to No, because you, you got that – remember, we've got that one guy now that can be active that is, is, is almost like the third quarterback, remember? That you, Absolutely, but in? I'm talking yeah. about, I guess, if you just want to look at it through the active 53. Okay, they could, okay. to your point, they could add guys on the practice squad and call them up. But I'm just saying the initial 53-man roster, I think nine is a reasonable estimate in how many total offensive linemen they'll likely keep. Yeah, it's not seven and it's not ten, so it's right in that number. Okay, yeah. so yeah. if they are going to keep nine, just entertain this numbers game here for a second. If we're to pencil in right now, it looks like Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, Evan Neal from left to right have a chance to be the starting five. So now we're looking at four backups. You've got Max Garcia, who's got the versatility to play multiple positions and has starting experience. Josh Azudu, who is one of their draft picks, their third rounder, and he also has versatility. He's played just about every position with the exception of center. You have Jamil Douglas, who came over from Buffalo. Matt Gono, who also has starting experience from Atlanta. That's already nine if we do the numbers game. But here's the thing. Matt Paird, now Paird could be a guy. He may start off the season on IR. He may start off on PUP because, remember, he's still recovering from that late torn ACL. So I'm not necessarily overly concerned about him. Nick Gates is another guy recovering from an injury. So it's not like they have to cut ties with those guys. They could put them on IR or the PUP list. Ben Bredesen, who was on the team last year, he's another veteran, but clearly has some competition. The bottom line is McKeithen I did not include. Jeff in that nine. So I wouldn't say that he's a lock, but as you mentioned, fifth round pick, you clearly see some upside and some versatility. I think they're going to do everything they can to see the potential in trying to get him on the 53-man roster. It's, 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 it's a numbers game. And I think that, you know, if you're a young guy and you're a fifth round draft pick, you got to play well, okay? But remember this. I mean, there, there's, there's plenty of guys that have gotten cut at fifth round and yeah. that, you know, are put on a practice squad somewhere else. Not a lot of them are going to get cut and then picked up and put on the active roster. So I think there's a good chance that if a fifth rounder from this team, unless somebody really had their eyes on this guy, is most likely going to clear waivers and they're going to go to the practice squad, which is kind of what they want to have happen. But, you know, it's just a matter of this is where we talk about the competition. If you're a fifth rounder, you're coming into camp, you're going to try to win a job. Because that's what this is all about. The NFL is about winning jobs. And nobody's handing out, you know, free jobs. You just got to go out there and do it. So the numbers game, when you put it that way, when you start talking about those linemen, there's not a lot of spots, just like the wide receiver position. There's not a lot of spots yeah. for that one. So there's things have to happen. And what I mean like that, good and bad. Good meaning, you know, somebody like uh, one of the offensive linemen play better than they thought they would, okay? And they, they end up making it, and he really was like, whoa, where did this guy come from? Same thing with a wide receiver or somebody gets hurt. A lot of times when these guys get hurt is when guys make the team, and that's what happens. So it's interesting, and it is a numbers game. Unfortunately, you can only keep so many at each position. 
Well, but it's a good problem to have with maybe some additional competition on the back end and guys that have starting experience because that was also something that the Giants have lacked in the past. Here's the other thing that I think is important with respect to McKeithen, and it goes back to the caller's question that I was alluding to with respect to if I'm McKeithen, I think if they're going to give you opportunities and reps on the interior, that could be extremely valuable, Jeff, if he can prove to them that he could play multiple spots other than just tackle, that's key because what did we just talk about when we were going through the potential backup offensive lineman? Garcia, multiple positions. Azudu, multiple positions. Mm -hmm. Douglas, who's been a guard, but also, you know, he may have some player flexibility and he's a veteran. And then Matt Gono is also a guy that could play tackle. So the bottom line is if McKeithen is just viewed as a tackle, well, Gono has a lot more experience than him. Even Corey Cunningham who's been in the NFL for mm -hmm. a little bit. So if you want <clears throat> to separate yourself, Jeff, my point is from the rest of the group, you prove to the coaching staff, if they move me into guard, yeah. I can actually serve as a backup there too. Yep, and that's the more you can do. The more you can do, the, the guy that the back end of the offensive line roster is a multiple guy. He's going to be able to play different positions. He's not going to be just a center or a guard. He's got to have he can't. to. He yeah. can't be. You just can't do. You don't have the luxury of it. The luxury is this: you're hiding guys, and I don't mean high, but you got your guys on practice squad who might be a legitimate center or right guard or left tackle, what have you. Those guys have a little bit of experience playing other positions, but primarily that's kind of where they're labeled at the position that they play. And then if there's an injury at that position and you feel like that guy can move into a position above one of the other guys that's kind of uh, that's more versatile, then you do it. But the guys on the roster, the 53-man guys, the guys that get inactive and the guys are back and forth, those guys have to play other positions. There's no question. And by the way, the back end of the offensive line roster also plays special teams. They're in there on the kickoff return team. They're in the back, you know, making blocks and, and doing things like that. So it's important that we always talk about that third component, right, which comes down to if you are going to make this team as a back end of the roster or backup guy, you have to be able to play special teams. And if you're one of those guys that can't, you got to, you know, you may make it because there has been guys that just haven't been, and more of them are kind of some of the established veterans where they make the team, but they just don't play special teams. But most of these young guys have to play it all. They got to do all three of them. Because it's a numbers game when it comes to who you're going to yeah, dress on game. You have to. More you only have why. so many. You yep. only have so many guys. And by the way, you know, one, one is, and where this gets tricky is that if you're Tom, Thomas McGahee and you've got your, your special teams rosters, your big four, as we call them, the kickoff, kickoff return, punt and punt return, and you've got your guys in there, um, you know, you're going to go to the head coach and say, listen, uh, you know, I need this guy. He plays every one of my positions. I know he's on the back end of the roster as a receiver, but I, this guy is a great special teams player. Or he's a defensive back. i got to have him. And so now the coaching staff has to make a decision. Am I going to keep this guy because of special teams? Can he play a little bit of cornerback? Can he play a little bit of receiver? Yes, but he's going to be a core special teamer. And usually there's three or four of those guys, Lance, as we know. Line, uh, there's usually a line, couple linebackers in there. There's usually a corner, and there's usually yep. a receiver. Those are your kind of guys that just they play all the special teams. And, and by the way, Eli Penny was another one of those guys. Yeah, he did he play on offense yeah, a little bit here and there, but he was a core special teams guy, big time. 201-939-4513, that is the telephone number. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you here. Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. John is in Cape Cod, and he joins us. What's happening, John? Good morning, Lance. Good morning. It's Jeff. Thank you. How are you? 
good. Uh, I, I would like you guys to talk about uh, what your input is, if you've seen him practice. I saw the article about the fellow that O.C. found in Africa that went to the NFL camp and the Giants gave him a one-year deal. I saw photos of him, and the first photo I saw was from a distance and at a scale, and it looked like you're looking at a runner. Then up close, he's 6'9", 340, with quick feet. Have you seen him practice at all? Well, What's your take on yeah, I'm glad you actually brought him up, John, because there was a quotation from Brian Dable a few weeks ago that I actually wanted to bring up on the show, and for some reason the conversation didn't call for it. And he was specifically asked about him, and his response was, he's got a very long way to go. <laughs> and listen, I get it, John, you're excited, you see his measurements, but here's the difference between him and a Jordan Mailata of the Philadelphia Eagles, who was also an international guy that had a rugby background. Not that Roy does. But Roy did not play football at any level whatsoever. You're talking about an individual that you have to teach the basic fundamentals of football to mm -hmm. before we even talk about getting him in a game situation. So I don't think Brian Dable was subscribing to hyperbole. I agree with you. He certainly is a physical specimen, just like Jeff was talking about Marcus McKeithen. But the difference between McKeithen and Roy is McKeithen has many years of college football. Roy has not tasted football at the high school or the college level. So he's a project. That's the best way I would put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I realize that. It's what, all that popped into my head was every once in a while – you run into one of these people with a soccer background, and I'm not making I'm not making the analogy based on their experience comparison, but it's kind of a, a almost a JPP story, except JPP was far more experienced. Yeah, I mean JPP played college football, mm -hmm. so you know that's where I would cross off the comparison. And I get it. Once again, he's got that physique that is very rare. You know, you're certainly not going into a machine and producing guys that big, but as Jeff can attest to, being around teammates on the offensive line, and we were talking about it, being fundamentally sound can sometimes overcome what you're lacking from a physical standpoint. You can have all the physical traits in the world, John, but if you don't have the fundamentals, if you don't know how to position yourself against an edge rusher, it gets thrown out the window. They're going to find all of your weaknesses, and it doesn't matter if you appear to be a brick wall. So that's why I say he's very, very far away because they have to teach him the basics of football. He's got to get so comfortable in doing that. That's why, remember, the NFL is allowing you room on the roster for an international player, just like Sandro, the running back, took mm -hmm. up over the last few years. So I think Roy is going to take up that spot. He's going to be a developmental guy. I would be stunned if he gets a taste of a legitimate NFL game this year? No way. Oh, yeah. I wasn't yeah. talking about this year. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he scored fairly high at the NFL camp in London. Now, I don't know how long that thing is and how much basic training they get. But, you know, the game, the, you guys know, the game basically comes down to running, tackling, blocking. Uh, and, and it ain't rocket science, especially in some of the positions. There are guys that never played it in, in high school that started playing at the college level and turned into pro caliber players.
Well, but I would say they're very far and few, John, and appreciate the phone call. I don't think the group, Jeff, and maybe there's other examples that come to your mind, Jeff, but he was referencing that, you know, you could find this rare gem who mm-hmm. did not have a lot of experience in high school and college. Of course, I mean, like Jordan Mailata is, to me, one of the best examples in today's NFL, mm-hmm. a rugby player. Hey, the Eagles scouting department, kudos to them, and he really has refined himself into a top-notch starting offensive lineman. And there's a reason why the Eagles have one of the best offensive line units in the league. They developed him. But how many other teams could say they plucked a rugby guy from overseas, put him into the lineup, and all of a sudden he became a starting caliber offensive lineman? Well, I mean, and remember, you get an exemption for those international players, remember? So um, you don't have to count them in in training camp as a roster spot. I believe that's the way it works. But the fact is is that it's, it's a crapshoot. It's it's hey, let's let's take a chance on this guy. It's not going to cost us a roster spot, and and maybe the guy uh, actually, you know, pans out a little bit. But I think this a long term. It's not going to be the short. It's very. I mean, we all know how difficult this game is at this level, and to have no experience and then all of a sudden come in and start playing would be is remarkable, remarkable if you could do that. But I I believe that it's a long term effect with these guys. They're saying, hey, listen, let's take a chance on this guy. Let's get him in here. Let's see if a year or two from now, if it's a possibility. If not, then you know we cut ties with them. But as long as it's not going to cost us a roster spot, we're okay with it. Yeah. No harm, no foul. No Bring harm, him in, no foul. develop Absolutely. him. Not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And I, I would say that if you said to me, what would be the easiest position to develop somebody at? I don't think offensive line is that easy. Um, I would say it would probably be a wide receiver. The guys that just have to learn how to run and catch. Um, I think covering guys is not that easy either. Um, maybe a defensive lineman. If you can, you know, a guy's got some speed. He's got some quickness in him, some lateral movement, can bend a little bit. Then maybe you can teach him some of those kinds of things. But I think from the offensive line position, I, that's very difficult. Very difficult, especially at the tackle position. You got no help. Sure. On, yeah, on you're out on side. an island with yeah. those edge rushers. Right, right. Who are going to read you like a book oh, at some they're point. They're going to find your tendencies. They will look on film. They're going to find out what, what you can't do, and then they're going to exploit you. And so, and you know, part of being a good offensive lineman is understanding how to be consistent with your sets and not tip your hat or tip off the, the defensive lineman because they watch film. And I remember all the time that just listen to some of these guys that were watching film, like just watching this guy's hand. If he moved a certain way or he knew that it was going to be a run if his arm was here and his, and his other arm was there. I mean, they pick up these things. And that's just all about scouting and, and knowing your opponent. And that's what these guys do in meetings. They're just constantly studying the guy that they're going, to go, going against across. From that guy, you know him like the back of your hand. And by the way, the division guys know each other even more because you play them twice a year. And they play them back-to-back years and over, however many times these guys are playing against each other. I mean, you look at John Runyon and, and, and Michael Strahan, those guys played against each other for years. And they had battles against them. You don't think that those two knew each other that well? <laughs> they knew Absolutely. exactly what these guys were doing. Well, and here's another example that I want to bring up before we move on with the caller bringing up the Nigerian offensive lineman that the Giants recently signed. How many phone calls, Jeff, all throughout last season did we get questions about Isaiah Wilson when the Giants signed him? Is he ready? (laughs) Why isn't he in the lineup? And I'm referring to the former first-round pick out of Georgia that the Giants gave a chance, and we were peppered with questions, and the response was A, He hasn't played football in quite some time because he then was briefly with Miami, and 
He parted ways with Miami when Brian Flores, another Brooklyn native, gave him an opportunity. That didn't work out, so the Giants said, okay, let's see if he could pan out. And every week he was trying to get in condition and this and that, and the Giants ultimately cut ties with him. And that's a guy, Jeff, that had college experience, yeah. had high yeah. school experience, <laughs> six, seven, three hundred thirty pounds, uh, and did not work out. And I understand once again there was some baggage and everything. But here's a guy that's the complete opposite spectrum of Roy, who has no baggage and no NFL or football experience. Period. And the hype train just surrounds them. The excitement. I get that. Everybody's looking for a savior. But I think we've got to be realistic. The mountains that some of these individuals need to climb, especially when we're talking about a guy like Isaiah Wilson, who was a highly touted first-round pick. It's, it, the problem is, is that it's so difficult. It doesn't matter. I mean, just because you have the intangible doesn't mean that you're going to make it, right? So I, it, yep. you hit all, and it's, it's, it's very difficult. And then, so even in that, in that example, a guy that had some background in football and things like that still didn't make it. So this goes to show you how even harder it is for somebody that has no background to come in and make it. You know, it just doesn't happen. I mean, like even I'll tell you what, um, you know, kickers and punters. Sometimes you see some of these guys like Jamie Gillian. Okay, that, he, he, he's a rugby player. But he's been, you know, he went to college. He had a couple years in college, and then now he's been in the pros for three years. So he's got a little bit of experience. But by the way, I've seen him kick and punt, and he's got a long ways to go, and he knows it. You know, but he's he made a roster. He was good enough to do it. So I think sometimes the kickers and punters can do it. Some of these soccer guys that come out and, and maybe – you know, they don't. They don't think they're going to make it in soccer. They go into kicking field goals and they do pretty good. I actually, um, Youngway from the Atlanta Falcons, the Ridgewood guy. Yep. He was a he was a phenomenal soccer player. Had scholarships to go anywhere he wanted, but he wanted to kick footballs. And sure enough, I mean, he went to you know a small school in Georgia, and next thing you know, he's an all pro and got a, just a five year extension on a contract. So it, it, it can happen. And I think a lot of that may be a product of the kicker-punter. You're essentially on an island. You're not depending on anyone else. With the offensive line, how the guard next to you plays could very well impact your performance. So there's so many other dynamics that I think are put into the mix that differentiates those specialties from some of the other positions in the National Football League. Is there anything more annoying than having to run to the store in freezing cold weather? When all you want to do is stream endlessly from the comfort of your couch? Or realizing after just going to three different grocery stores that you forgot the toilet paper and refused to enter yet another parking lot? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone appear with the items you're missing right to your door? Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's a craving for something sweet during a commercial break or you forgot those bathroom essentials, Grubhub will deliver anything from the convenience store right to your door, and you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. Let's head back to the phone lines. Mike is in Brooklyn, and he joins us. What's happening, Mike? Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Doing very well. How about yourself? What do you got for us? Um, Doing good. Um, I was, uh, well, Lance, I just wanted to compliment you on your uh, Giant Huddle podcast with uh, Coach Allen and and Coach Ferenc. Excellent job. Thank you. Appreciate it. And yeah. just so um, the audience to know, while you opened up the door for promotion, I just want people who may not be aware of what you're talking about, we have some new Giants Huddle podcasts up. I interviewed all of the college coaches, the majority of them associated with the various draft picks, so you can check it out on Giants.com, the mobile app, as well as on YouTube and podcast platforms. But I appreciate you checking it out, Mike. Thanks so much. Oh, no problem. Thank you. 
Um, I was watching the 2007 Super Bowl um, last night, and Jeff, you were um, they, you were punting in the second uh, second quarter, I believe, and they ran a stat that you had in that postseason. You punted 16 times with only 14 return yards. Mm. I thought that was that was that was. Uh, I had to look. I had to. I had to re, uh, rewind it and look again because that to me was like, uh, really, you know. Thank you. I was just. I just tried to kick it away from everybody. Make it easier on the other ten guys. You know. That those yeah, guys I don't think anybody. Hurt. I don't think anybody returned it. Returned it uh, at all. It, it was a fair catch or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was that was something that that I thought was kind of special. Thank you. Um. No problem. Hey. I. I. Um. Who was the best gunner that you ever played with? Can you can you get the, that specific? Yeah, there was two of them. Um, one of them was named uh, uh, Fabian Bones. Okay, um, well, that's a great gunner name, by the way. Yeah, it is right. And he played with me <laughs> in Seattle. And then, of course, David Tyree. David Tyree was probably the number one. He was him and I had such good chemistry together. I mean, we had it going on. There's some times when. You know, David just, he knew where the ball was going to be, and he would fake his guys out, and he'd go to that position and turn around, and there would be the ball, and he would catch it, and he made some great plays for me. So uh, we went to the Pro Bowl together in 2008 as a special teams guy. So that was that was special. Yeah, he made a tackle on one of your punts in that Super Bowl. That was, was pretty, uh, yeah. pretty yeah. phenomenal. He had a he knack for that people. position. He really did. You know, and some of those receivers – they, they, you know, obviously they run down the field to catch passes. They know how to run down the field and cover kicks too. And by the way, a lot of guys just don't, people don't understand that these guys are offensive people, right? But they're playing a defensive position. They're actually going down there and making tackles as an offensive guy. It's pretty impressive when you think about it. Yeah, football players, right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they are. All around, um, well-rounded. Yeah. Um, you t- just talked about uh, Gillen, the Giants punter, are they going to bring in somebody else to? I mean, you're you're saying he has a lot to you know a lot to learn. Are they going to bring in another punter to compete with him? Well, you know what what happens here is this. I think that I think that decision will be made either it is or it isn't. I think as you go through the OTAs and the off season, you kind of get a gauge on if you feel like this guy can make it through, and if you don't, then they will they'll probably bring somebody in to compete with him. Um, I actually you. You, I would love to have somebody compete with him because I feel like competition, even when I was in camp, I'd like to have guys compete with me. I, I, I feel like you just, even though you know they're not going to beat you out, you just still want to go and compete with them and, and, and do, you know, you just want to compete every single day. If there's nobody there to compete with, I think sometimes you get a little bit, you know, maybe lackadaisical if, if it's the word. But I feel like they'll, they'll make that evaluation after this mini camp's over. And then the other problem with it is this. You know, you only have 90 guys on the roster. And if you're weak at some of these other positions, sometimes they don't bring in the specialists is where they, they, they say, you know what, it's okay. Because you got to have an extra body here or there. So they may not bring in a kicker or a punter or a long snapper. It would just be those three guys. That's three extra positions that they can fill on the roster. So those things make a difference. But I will tell you this. If they go into the season or the off, excuse me, the training camp and they understand that maybe this guy needs some competition, I think they would sacrifice a position somewhere else to have another guy come in and compete with them. And it will probably be a, a veteran. There's also a few teams, keep in mind, Mike, that have multiple punters on the roster. As training camp progresses, it's possible guys get cut, even veterans. And, hey, if the Giants, for some reason, are not content with what Gillen is doing, then they could 
perhaps sign a veteran. Now, I know it's dangerous the later on you get into camp, and Jeff, maybe you can get more into this. Mm -hmm. You're worried about the exchange, the kicking of the field goals with Graham Gano, but... I mean, if it's a veteran who's been in the league for a long period of time, I'm sure he's probably had to make that adjustment more often than not throughout his career. 100%. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that was my, my last question, Jeff. Um, you, you, you played for 22 years. You, you, you held for probably 100, 100 kick, uh, place kickers. Uh, is there a big difference from one kicker to the next as to how they like the ball placed? Or, yeah. You know, yeah, there is. I mean, not a big difference. Some of them, well... All of them like the laces out. <laughs> That's yeah, a big part. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that the biggest part is um, is the leaning of the football, if, if that makes sense. You know, if you put the ball down uh, perfectly vertical, up and down, some guys like it that way. Most of them like it tilted a little bit to the inside, like towards the holder. And the reason is that it's because of the way the foot comes through the ball, the little tilt gives you a little bit of a, an advantage on the spin. Um, we're kind of getting really detailed here, but the fact is that some of them like it straight up and down. Some of them like a little bit of a tilt, you know, and things like that. The biggest pet peeve for kickers that don't with, with punters holding or anybody holding is missing the spot. A kicker can make a 40 yard field goal with the laces behind as long as the spot is there, you know, because the laces are not at the bottom of the ball. They get underneath the laces when they kick them. But when you miss the spot, whether it's in front or left or right or in back, that 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 does a lot to the kick because they're so fine-tuned to their plant foot and kicking the ball where the spot is. Um, so for for a holder, it's more important to hit the spot than anything. They can they can do without the lean. They can do without the laces being in front, but missing the spot that's detrimental to, their, to the kick. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I welcome. appreciate your career, and uh, you should be in the Hall of Fame. Damn it! Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> right, that. Thank appreciate you, Mike. the phone call. You know, a lot of times, Lance, when you see these guys miss, like, wide right or wide left, sure, a lot of times there's something that happened on the operation because these guys are pretty good now. And so when you see something miss to the right and it's a dead push, then most likely that 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 hold, something happened. It was the miss the spot a little bit. And I'm not giving the kicker saying that he's perfect all the time, but, I mean, a lot of times yeah, I'm surprised holder, you're blaming yourself in no, this but regard. But it, but it, it really is it's that it's – that, it's, I mean, it's such a – and it's not a big mess. It could be an inch or two, you know, and you probably, people are like, well, what? But the problem is, is that when, when a kicker plants his foot, every single time it's the same distance between the, the ball. So your foot plants and the, there's the ball. So if I'm moving that ball closer to the plant foot or I'm moving it away from the plant foot, just think of how the leg swing. It's like golf. You know, so you're going to miss it to the right, or you're going to, if it's, if it's the ball is closer to your, the, the plant foot by the kicker, then that's too close. You're probably going to, you're going to lean back and your leg's going to swing through and you're going to miss it left. So that's why those guys are so, they, that's why they take good care of us. They, they like their holders. <laughs> it's routine, right? No it's different a, than what you see with some other players. 100%. Now, the, the fun, the, the greatest story I have about spots is when um, John um, Carney, when he came here, uh, and we, you know, he's. We were both in our 40s playing. We both went to the to the Pro Bowl in 2008 as the oldest guys ever to go to the Pro Bowl. But he, when he first came to the Giants, he used to bring out. Now this is totally illegal, but he still did it. <laughs> so he he would have uh, he would he had white shoes on, right? And he had white athletic tape and little squares. He used to put them on his shoe 
before the game. So when he would come out to the game, to out to the field to mark, a lot of the kickers, they put their foot down, and that's where their spot is, right? Well, he would go down, he would take that little piece of tape, stick it on the grass, <laughs> step on it, okay, when he, once he stepped on it, and then as soon as he left, as soon as he picked up his foot, my finger went on the spot. So nobody could see it. Yeah. Look at you two. You guys had a whole system. <laughs> see, now we're getting to the skeletons in the closet. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and then, and a lot of times, you know, if you watched a tape, as soon as John would make the kick, he would kind of go back and he'd grab that little piece of tape and, and just, you know, get it off the field so there was no evidence. Look at you guys. So smooth that nobody ever picked up on that. So now, this was the 2008 campaign. So if anybody wants to go back and analyze the film, <laughs> yeah. that's the year to mark. Well, the other, the other way we used to mark, we used to mark kicks is with the, uh, the hash mark paint. You know, so those, the hash marks are all painted, and we usually yeah. kick on the hash mark. So the, 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 the kickers would never want to have the spot on the white marker because it's too thick. So we would take a little piece of the white, white grass that's painted – and we would just go maybe a few inches inside the hash where the green grass was, put the little paint piece of grass that's painted, and there's your marker. And so nobody could say anything. It's like, oh, it's part of the, the hash. I don't know what happened here. <laughs> just you know. So you come up with all kinds of little things. Now, one, day, one day we will get into the footballs, which I've always laughed when there was deflate gate because they were way, way behind times because we were doing things <laughs> to footballs way before that, trust me. And, and the NFL knew about it, and they put a stop to it. Um, but then, you know, that, so that was kind of, that's another topic one day. The special K balls. Is that what we're uh, referring to? That's where they came up with the special K balls. But as soon as they came up with the special K balls, believe it, you know, we still, we still hacked it. We found a way. (laughs) (laughs) It got mad scientists. Oh my goodness. Now, just out of curiosity, Jeff, though, did Carney do that to your knowledge everywhere he went? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you just were pretty much a continuation yeah. of what he had previously done. Exactly. And, I, and somehow everybody has a way of marking the spot because, remember, if you just have – you know, you have your finger down there so the, so the kicker can see where the spot is. But as soon as your finger – you go to catch the ball, the spot's gone, right? When you think sure. about it, if there's nothing there. So you're basically – because you've done it so many times, a routine of putting it down, but we've actually had it uh, – the camera spotlight, like like zoom in on where the the mark is, and it's you know it's not a hundred percent. It's usually moves around, but when I take my hand off and catch the ball on my way down, if I'm seeing that little speck of grass or that little white piece of tape, a lot easier for me to set it down exactly where it is, and that makes a big difference. Of course, yeah. You know? Well, it's good for your eyes, and then of course for the it helps the kicker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know. This is this is just this is just like baseball with uh, you know the the, <laughs> the Vaseline and all the other stuff. You <laughs> yeah. know, you, you you'll get away with it as long as somebody doesn't say anything. You're good. <laughs> there you go. Look at this. Everybody's got a trick up their sleeve. Yep. And everybody did it, by the way. In so terms of covering up. Some oh, way or I'm another, everybody was doing it. So. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Little trick here or there and yeah. not going to harm anybody. The footballs especially. are the big thing, though. I mean, and the, the home team always supplied the K balls. And, you know, there was times when we would go to some of these and we knew who they were The you know, they had they the home team had the good balls and the visitors had the bad ones. And we knew who the guys were. And we we just, you know, didn't have much uh, friendship with those guys. So for somehow we would get in the game and get the brand new football. But when they were kicking off or kicking field goals, they were were seeing the piece of chocolate go through the air like it was so brown and rubbed down and everything. Ours was like an orange because they were when they're brand new. Those footballs are like orange. They got this wax on them. Yeah, not good. Not good. (laughs) 
Man, yeah, that's some teaser, Jeff. We're going to have to delve into a little bit more of this on uh, future programs. <sighs> we could go on forever. Oh, you could write a book on this. I'm surprised this your first book hasn't come out. Yeah, well, the I'm ins just, and outs of the pigskin. I'm afraid who, I'm, who I'll have to throw under the bus here. You know, there's a lot of people that are involved in this scheme. That's true, because you worked <laughs> with so many different kickers over the course of your career. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. You have to get permission. Uh, that book's to never going to be written. from like 75 million people that you cross paths with. <laughs> On a more serious note, before we wrap up, because one of the previous callers did bring up Jamie Gillen, I think what gets overlooked, and this is not to say that he has extra job secured, but maybe the rationale as to why the Giants have a patient approach and they want to give him every opportunity is, remember, Jeff, he at the tail end of last season was on the Bills practice squad. He joined them in late December and then was with them through the postseason run. So they clearly they saw something in him. Oh, I'm yeah. sure, right, Dable? Yeah. And they said, okay, hey, Dable's going over to a new team. Joe Shane as well. Let's give this guy a legitimate shot to see what he's made of because you get there in December, very, very small sample size. Remember, he didn't get waived by the Browns until December 22nd of mm-hmm. last year. So two days later, he signs with Buffalo, and he only joins their practice squad. So I think probably Shane and Dable said, hey, you know, we saw some flashes. Let's bring him into camp. Let's see what he has. We'll have a few preseason games. That'll give us a better glimpse. And then we'll evaluate and determine whether or not we actually want to give him the starting gig. But the point I'm bringing up is there was a brief history between Dable, Shane, and Gillen. It's not like they just plucked him out of nowhere and said, okay, he looks like he's a young punter that's up and coming. And that's all it takes is just a little bit of practice time with the team, you know, and they get get to know him for a little bit, and they say, hey, listen, you know, let's just give this guy a chance. I've I've talked to him quite a bit at at some of these practices. He's got, you know, he's, he's still learning the American way to kick a football. And so, and I, you know, when you look at these things, punting and kicking is really, it's, it's all about good technique and fundamentals, just like any position. But I think it's more importantly with kickers and punters because it's, you have to be consistent. You only get five or six shots a game, right? So, um, and he's got a little bit of ways to go to work on his consistency by developing some of the fundamentals and techniques that he has never learned before. So I and, and again I love to to teach these kinds of things. So I get out there with these OTAs and I spend you know 35 40 minutes with him talking. In fact, the other day I was out there talking to him and McGay. He's like, "Okay, we're not going to kick. You just keep going, Jeff. Just keep talking to him." <laughs> they actually they actually cut out a period that they were going to go to the snapper holder and kicker stuff, and they just said, "No, this is too valuable." We're just going to have Jeff give him a pep talk. Exactly. Instead. So we were talking about it, and before you know it, you know his he's. I, you know, I wish he had a notebook. That's what he needs is a notebook. Take Boy, he's going to get slowly tired of listening to you in a few weeks. I <laughs> he hope he's be. mentally I'm, prepared if you're I, already chewing his ear off. But I will definitely take credit for when he gets better, but it's not going to be my fault when he does bad. <laughs> Correct. No, it's only the good. Jeff is only responsible. If if he makes yeah. the team this year, we want to make this very clear here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. That's right. If Jamie Gillen flourishes, it's all Jeff's doing. If he 100%. struggles, it's because he didn't listen, didn't listen. Didn't to what notebook. Jeff had to tell him. Yep. Yes. Didn't want to take difference. notes. That's Absolutely. Right. Yes. That's how it works. That's how this. Uh, that's how the cookie crumbles, as they say. So, hey, it's a win-win go. situation for Mr. Fiegel. I'm good. All I'm right. Good. That is going to wrap up Thank you, Lance. Friday's edition. Hey, not a problem. My pleasure. Always enjoy talking with you on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Now, uh, important reminder, next week we're going to have a full slate of shows, but we're moving the show up a half hour to accommodate the change in practice time. So the show is going to be next week from 11.30 a.m. Eastern to 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Our normal time, of course, is noon Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern. We're moving it up. 
a half hour to accommodate mandatory minicamps practices. So make sure you note that. But we'll be back up and running on Monday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern for a fresh slate of shows right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And also, we will have a special edition sometime in the near future in which Jeff Eagles will explain in greater detail how he and the rest of the kickers manipulated the NFL rule book. So keep that on your calendar. We have not solidified when that will fit in to our appropriate programming over the summer. Soon, though. Soon, soon. That's a good way to put it. All right. That is going to do it for us. Today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Jeff Eagles, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Friday as well as the weekend, and we will speak to you on Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Everyone gets their cravings while watching the games, and no one wants to be the one to miss the big play. Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. From the extras to the essentials, Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's that late-night snack craving or you forgot to get the paper towels from the grocery store, enjoy convenience delivered right to your door, just in the nick of time, and you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.